Before we turn in God's Word, let's bow in prayer once again. Father, as we go through life and as we deal with that which life brings, sometimes, Lord, we, we deal with circumstances that are beyond our control to control, and that's sometimes hard for us. It's difficult for us. We go to a doctor's appointment and we can't control the outcome of those tests. We go in for surgery and we can't control the work of the surgeon. There is so much, Father, that is out of our control, but it is in your control. It is in your hands. And sometimes, Lord, we have to take our difficulties, our struggles, the perplexions, the perplexing things we deal with in life, and we need to learn over and over again to give them over to you. And so, Lord, tonight uh, we pray that for our sister Marge and for uh, her son Troy, Lord, as they deal with a whole variety of medical issues and problems that, Father, all need to be sorted out and circumstances and what exactly is happening, Lord. You're in control, and we turn him over to you and pray, Lord, for your work in his life, in his heart, as well as, Lord, that you'd be with Dave and Marge and give them the strength they need from day to day as well. But, Lord, uh, when we stop to think about it, we're all in that circumstance. We, we all deal with things that, Lord, uh, perplex us, and we just give them over to you. Help us to remember to do that early. Early, let us seek your favor. Early, let us seek to do your will. Let us not hold on to our stuff for so long, but help us, Lord, to give over to you our needs, our concerns, the problems of life, and trust you in Christ's name. And all God's people say, Amen. We turn to the book of Hosea. I'll give you a few moments. They're probably not very worn pages in your Bible. Even if you have a personal Bible, they're probably not worn pages. Hosea is not uh, one of the top ten books of the Bible to read. It's not necessarily a very easy book to read. Um, it's not necessarily if, if one reads it only on the surface, a delightful book to read. But it is. It shows us and demonstrates to us the depth of God's love. As God deals with his sinful people throughout this book, there are going to be some very hard and difficult things said. God's judgment and anger and wrath against his sinful people is going to rise. It's not a pleasant book to read in that regard. Especially in our modern day, people don't like to hear about judgment of sin. And yet... That's what reveals God's love. And as we think about the coming of our Lord and Savior into this world, 
as we think about God entering into humanity. The question is, why? Why does God do this? Why does God, as the mighty Consular, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, the mighty God, become the babe of Bethlehem? Well, we might say, well, he, he's going to live his life perfectly and go to the cross and die. Yes, but why? Because of the depth of his love for you and I. And so as we ponder this book for the next three Lord's Day evenings, the Lord willing, I invite you to think deeply and to drink deeply of the depth of the well of God's love for you and for me. Tonight we deal with chapter one alone. I'd invite you before next Lord's Day, if you would, to read chapters 2 through 10. There is much poetic language found in there. It's about the unfaithfulness of Israel and God's judgment upon them. But read through it. Maybe just in one setting even. Just, just read through those eight, nine chapters and kind of get the depth of, of what Hosea's ministry is about. Tonight, chapter 1. The word of the Lord that came to Hosea, the son of Berai. In the days of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah. And in the days of Jeroboam, the son of Joash, king of Israel. When the Lord first spoke through Hosea, the Lord said to Hosea, Go, Take to yourself a wife of whoredom, and have children of whoredom, for the land commits great whoredom by forsaking the Lord. So he went and took Gomer, the daughter of Dibliam, and she conceived and bare him a son. And the Lord said to him, Call him Jezreel, for in just a little while I will punish the house of Jehu for the blood of Jezreel. And I will put an end to the kingdom of the house of Israel. And on that day I will break the bow of Israel in the valley of Jezreel. She conceived again and bore a daughter. And the Lord said to him, Call her name No Mercy. For I will no more have mercy on the house of Israel to forgive them at all. But I will have mercy on the house of Judah. And I will save them. By the Lord their God. I will not save them by bow or by sword or by war or by horses or by horsemen. When she had weaned, no mercy, she conceived and bore a son. And the Lord said, call his name not my people. For you are not my people and I am not your God. Yet the number of the children of Israel shall be like the sand of the sea, which cannot be measured or numbered. And in the place where it is said to them, You are not my people, it shall be said to them, Children of the living God. 
And the children of Judah and the children of Israel shall be gathered together, and they shall appoint for themselves one head, and they shall go up from the land, for great shall be the day of Jezreel. Say to your brothers, you are my people, and to your sisters, you have received mercy. Thus far the reading of God's word. Let's again ask for God's blessing upon it. Our Heavenly Father, we read in the book of Psalms, Psalm 1, Blessed is the man who walks in the counsel, who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. In this book of Hosea, we read of the judgment that was needed for the house of Israel. And we ask that you'll be with Pastor Bob as he explains this book to us. Ask this in Jesus' name, amen. And amen. So first of all, let's begin with this. Names, once again. His name reflects the depth of God's love. You say, how does the name Hosea do that? Well, Hosea is a form of Joshua. Joshua... It's the Old Testament term that we would give to Jesus. And Jesus means he will save his people from their sins. You see what's happening right off the bat? He will save his people from their sins. But not Hosea, but Jesus. The one who is God, Emmanuel, he will save his people from his sins. As we read through this chapter, you, you might be going, wow, how bad is this book going to be? No, the way to look at this is how good is this book going to be? Because the very first thing we learn is that the Lord, their covenant God, came to Hosea. He will save his people for the depravity that we read about, for the depth that these people go. The Lord's message to one, to all, is you can never out-sin my love. Not as my people you can't. Not as those who are redeemed by my Son. My grace is greater, we sing, than all our sin. Found right away in his name. The Lord called Hosea. A form of Joshua, the form of Yesu, Jesus. He will save his people. This is the prophetic word of the Lord. This is God coming to this man with this name and saying, Now you go up. You go out and speak to my people. For in you and in the circumstances that you are going to address, you will be showing forth how I will save my people from their sin. Secondly, his ministry, which is given to us in the rest of verse 1, 
also reflects God's love. Hosea is going to be a prophet of God for over 66 years. It's quite something to to think about this man of God working and serving for 66 years called as a prophet of God. Now, it's not written here, but when you put together the information of the kings and you put together that which Hosea speaks of happening within the book, we, we get a fairly good idea of the span of time that we are talking about. Certainly, Hosea's work and ministry far extends that which we find in the book. The book is that which he was inspired by the Holy Spirit to write, that was recorded for us, that God desired to have as a record of ministry for the people of that day, for the people of Jesus' day, for the Christians of the first century, second, third, fourth, for you and I today, and for however long Jesus tarries, that this would be a ministry to demonstrate the depth of his love for us as a people. 66 years. It spans the course of good kings, and it spans the course of evil kings. Let's just take that sampling a minute, just so you kind of get a perspective of, of kind of the environment okay, that, that's presented to us in God's Word. See, it, it simply says, right, in the days of Uzzah, Jadam, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah, in the days of Jeroboam, the son of Joash, the king of Israel. And it's presented to us historically. What you and I have the privilege of doing is going back and looking into those kings' lives and saying, what were things like? And the king is often reflective of the people, of the nation. So let's start our our journey here in 2 Kings chapter 14. Back to 2 Kings chapter 14. Verse 23, 2 Kings 14, 23. In the 15th year of Amaziah, the son of Joash, king of Judah, Jeroboam, the son of another Joash, who is king of Israel, began to reign in Samaria. And he reigned 41 years. And he did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. He did not depart from all the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, which he made Israel to sin. There's there's your synopsis. Hosea is called to minister at a time of this king, Jeroboam, who does evil in the eyes of the Lord and follows after his namesake, the first Jeroboam, that caused Israel to fall into idolatry in the first place. 
Now let's go forward to 2 Chronicles chapter 26. 2 Chronicles chapter 26. What do we read of one of the other men who was king? Here we are now in Judah. Verse 20, excuse me, 2 Chronicles 26, verse 1. And all the people of Judah took Uzziah, who was 16 years old, and made him king instead of his father Amaziah. He built Eloth and restored it to Judah after the king slept with his father. So Uzziah was 16 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 52 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jechaliah of Jerusalem, and he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord according to all that his father Amaziah had done. He set himself to seek God in the days of Zechariah. Remember I told you there are 30 of them this morning? Here's, here's another one. Okay? Who instructed him in the fear of God. And as long as he sought the Lord, he made him prosper. But just take a look at verse 16 of that same chapter. But when he, that is, Isaiah was strong, he grew proud to his destruction, for he was unfaithful to the Lord his God and entered the temple of the Lord to burn incense at the altar of incense. In other words, he did Zechariah the priest's job that he wasn't supposed to do. So here we have a king. He starts out good. He, he seeks to follow the Lord, seemingly, at least exteriorly, but then we read of his falling away. Isaiah ministers during the time of this man's reign. Let's go to chapter 27, verses 1 and 2. Jotham was 25 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 16 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jerusha, the daughter of Zadok, and he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, according to all that his father Isaiah had done, except he did not enter the temple of the Lord. But the people still followed corrupt practices. Go to chapter 28. Another one who was mentioned in the, that introductory verse, Ahaz, was 20 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 16 years in Jerusalem. He did not do what was right in the eyes of the Lord as his father David had done, but he walked in the ways of the kings of Israel. He even made metal images for the Baals, and he made offerings in the valley of the sun of Hinnom and burned his sons as an offering according to the abomination of the nations whom the Lord drove out before the people of Israel. And he sacrificed and made offerings on the high places and on the hills and under every green tree. Chapter 29. Another one mentioned. Hezekiah began to reign when he was 25 years old and he reigned 29 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Abijah, the daughter of Zechariah. And he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord according to all that David his father had done. Sixty-six years, probably more, good kings, evil kings. But always, always being the minister of God, the prophet of God, as God calls His people to Himself. God is always working. Whether the king is good, whether the king is evil, God is always working. 
And his work is always to draw his people in. See, that's why we're given this perspective, this ongoing ministry, this continuous ministry, because it depicts for us Hosea working there for all those 66 years. No matter what the circumstances are, no matter what the situation is, he's God's prophet. It's the picture for us of the depth of God's love in that God is continuously calling his people to him. God never stops. God never tires. God never sleeps. God never quits. This morning in our high school catechism class, I was subbing for Ben, and we had the, the effectual calling of God. We referred to that in this morning's message as well. God never ceases. That, that work of God whereby he sends forth his spirit into the hearts of men so that they respond and come to him. That work of God shall not quit until that trumpet sounds and Christ returns. God never quits. Why? Because he loves He is continually calling his people, come to me. As we dealt with that article in the Westminster Confession of Faith, it makes it very clear to us that God can begin that process in the womb, as we referred to John the Baptist, and God sometimes does that on the deathbed of an individual. In their last moment, in their last gasp, they hear the call of God. God never tires. He never quits. That's what we see in this long extended ministry of Hosea. It goes on and on and on. This love of God never ends. That's what Paul means in 1 Corinthians 13. When he says, love never ends. It is the love of God that continues on. Year after year after year. Thirdly, this love of God is seen in his actions. In the, in the actions that Hosea is called to by the Lord. That, that's what comes, right, in, in verses 2 and beyond of this chapter. Hosea is given instructions. Instruction number one. He is to marry an unfaithful wife. Now, let's clarify what this means. She can't be his unfaithful wife until he marries her. So he has to marry her, then she will become unfaithful. So he's not marrying somebody who is already an adulteress. He is to marry someone who then will become an adulteress. Imagine being given that instruction, right? You're, you're told as the prophet... 
go marry a woman. But the woman is going to become an adulteress. She will become unfaithful to you. She will not keep her commitment to you. She will not keep her covenant with you. You already see what's happening? You got to love somebody a whole lot to know ahead of time that the person you are marrying is going to be unfaithful. But your love leads you to marry them anyway. Does that, my friends, remind you of anything? Does God know that His creation, Adam and Eve, are going to sin and become unfaithful even before He creates them? Absolutely. But He does it anyway. Why? Because He loves them. His love causes Him to create people that he knows are going to be unfaithful. Okay, let's, go, let, let's skip it forward. He comes to Abraham, and he says, Abraham, out of you I'm going to make a great nation. Does God know that that, quote, great nation is going to fall into idolatry? Does God know that that great nation is going to whine and moan all the way from Egypt all the way to Canaan, does God know that that great nation is going to break covenant time and time and time again? Of course he does. But he says, I'm willing to enter into a covenant relationship with you anyway. Why? Because of the depth of his love for his people. Does God know That even after he redeems you from sin, even after the blood of Christ is applied to your and my life, does God know we're still going to break covenant? Does God know we're still going to sin? Of course he does. But he still sends his son, his only son, to die for you and I. Why? Because he loves us. Oh, the depth of the love of God. Hosea, I want you to demonstrate that. I want you to exemplify that. I want you to go marry a woman even though you know, even though you know she is going to be unfaithful to you. Because, Hosea, that will demonstrate my love for my people. That's how much the Father loves you and I. It's demonstrated as well through the naming of these children. There are three children born, right? Each 
of the names is a progression away from Hosea. The first child, Jezreel, okay, cause him Jezreel. Why? For just in a little while, I'm going to punish the kingdom of Israel. Second child, call her no mercy. I'm going to come and I'm going to judge them, but I'm going to judge them with no mercy. Third child. Now you know for sure, don't you, Hosea? You know for sure that child is not yours. First one, you're thinking, probably my kid. Second one, not sure. Third one, you know for sure. This is not my child. My wife, Gomer, has been unfaithful. She's pregnant by some other man. Those names. Can you imagine the hurt? As God reveals each time how wayward Gomer is, how far from this marriage relationship she is falling. And yet, he is to love her. He is to find her. He is to buy her back. And oh, even in the names of these children, in the very place where it is said, you are not my child, you shall be called children of the living God. You will be the new Israel. You will be united under the one head. Who's that? Jesus Christ. Oh, the love of God demonstrated in these actions of Hosea. See, God's calling him to do this because that's going to be a witness. He's going to use that and go out and tell the people, listen, God told me to marry a woman and then she became unfaithful. That's like you. And then my wife started having children. That's like you. And those children kept falling farther and farther and farther away from their relationship to God. That's like you. And God's going to come and God's going to judge and God's going to punish, but God does so out of His love. Lastly, look at the proclamation that Hosea is to bring. Verse 1, chapter 2. Say to your brothers, you are my people. And to your sister, you have received mercy. <sighs> that grace of God. There before our eyes once again. That grace of God that reaches into our lives. For 66 years, 
Hosea goes throughout at first Israel and then Judah. So that northern tribe is, comes under God's punishment. For 66 years, he ministers. Proclaiming the love of God for his people. We read thee best in him who came. The cross of shame to bear. We read your love most clearly in the fact that you came. You, you didn't send somebody else. You didn't send a part of you. You sent you. You came. You came, mighty God. You are the child that is born. Because you love us so. As you ponder all the mysteries that are included in this coming of Jesus Christ into this world. Ponder mostly the love of God for you. And might I say, if you are one who has wandered or is wandering far, hear God's love and may that love draw you, draw you back to Him. And God's people say, Amen. Father, we thank You for Your Word. As we delve into the rest of this book in the weeks to come, the Lord, You're willing us to do so. We pray, Father, that we will come to a richer, fuller, and deeper understanding so that by the time we come to the end of this season, we can truly even more appreciate, even more than we do so now, how much you love us in Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. God's people say.